Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. Boxhead, what an absolutely outstanding week of football. I cannot remember a better weekend of finals to kick things off. Yeah, it's 2010. It's probably the the last one I can remember where we had the that epic, I think it was Roosters-Tigers game. There was a few other good games, Warriors-Titans. Uh, but no, it didn't rival that one. No. And that's going back. I had to go back eight years to do that. So yeah, it tells you how, uh, how good the quality was first week and... It's a relief because, um, you know, I think the last, particularly the last month of football has been not predictable, but we sort of knew who was going to be there. So we're all, all eyes were on the final series and it delivered. Yep, 1,000%. We'll jump into our set of six for this week. And tackle one to kick us off is just that. Uh, you could not have had any better games from the weekend. The quality was outstanding. The result in some of those games are all different kinds of football games are of the highest quality. Uh, we had upsets. We had close results. I think the launch of the women's competition was outstanding as well and another positive for the game after last week, which was just an absolute shit show over something that really I don't want to talk about but didn't deserve to me a week's worth of coverage and it's still being talked about now. Um, but the weekend, the games, the final series, the women's competition, everything was a massive positive and a tick in the box for me. Absolutely, yeah. So. Uh, quality weekend. The women's comp, yeah, was good. Um, I won't be an avid follower of it. You know, I won't watch every game, but... You know, if I'm, I'm at home and there's nothing on, or, you know, not that there's nothing on, but if I'm at home and I've got a chance to watch it, I definitely will. Yeah. It's not a put-everything-down like an NRL game is, but, you know, I, I think it rated extremely well as well. So it just proves that Women's Rugby League has got a probably going to eventually play a bigger role than what it does at the moment. You look at the women's Big Bash, and that's grown from, you know, a really small competition now into one that runs pretty much parallel with the men's comp so women's sport all around is growing and women's rugby league particularly in western sydney uh, i can speak firsthand the rugby league program uh, that we run out at out at um, chifley college where i teach is going from strength to strength and plenty of other high schools uh in the western sydney basin are, are doing the same thing and the, ga- the women's game is growing rapidly by the year so that's nah, good to see yep i thoroughly enjoyed it recorded it all also Got to see the New South Wales Cup games. I enjoy them. I'm a bit disappointed, like I said, probably the start of this year, that it's harder to follow the under-20s now, mainly to keep my eye on the kids because they're state It's ridiculous. It, the, how the jersey flag has been run and covered is a joke. Well, at the bare minimum, it should be on the websites. Well, have you seen one game? No. I, I've, I've, I would have I've seen more of the Harold Matthews and SG ball yeah, than I, what I have of the jersey flag, which I, is ridiculous. I watched a couple live, and I know about some kids who have come through, obviously, because I do New South Wales Cup Well, it's gone from, what, three three games a week on TV to none? Yeah. 
And at bare minimum, like I said, we do live streams for New South Wales Rugby League for New South Wales Cup. Get all that. I, People I can't thought, watch it. No, like, but I thought they would have at least done that for 20s because they make it available afterwards as well. At yeah. least do a game or two a week. Stupid. So you could get some idea. Like uh, the 20s player of the year was named last night at the New South Wales Rugby League thing, a kid from Newcastle. Who was it? Gun Queensland back row, Bo Fermore. And no, never again, heard of him. never heard of him because I haven't had a chance to watch him at all there this you year. Go. So, yeah. Um, you know, he's played Queensland 20s. He's probably had other junior rep honours, but in the past, it's been easy to track these kids, like you said, because we watch them at Mats and Ball, but now they've taken that vision away from us, yeah. unless they've moved on Ridiculous. to Ridiculous. It's so. craziness. Absolute craziness. Um, yeah, but crack a weekend all around, just good after the week that was. And another thing as well, all the people were just finding a reason to win. It's like, oh, this week the rules changed this, that, and that. Like, just stop finding something to win, about. Just watch mm. the football, please. Yeah. Can we just watch the football? And give it oxygen. Yep. Tackle two. Uh, the Sharks' chances, they let them slip in that game. They had plenty of them, and now Wade Graham gone for the season. I know a lot of people are banging on about that as well, but to be honest, and I think Paul Gallen pointed out last night, he really was never healthy. The 18 games no. he did play, half of me didn't finish. So I'm not saying it doesn't affect them, because certainly when he's on the field, he makes a massive difference. But now they can finally just move on from that and focus on plugging someone else in there. But he obviously hurts them. I think the big question here is their chances now that they've slipped back and he's out of the side. The pressure probably goes on Moylan more to create more on that left-hand side without Wade Graham there and going the long way around the mountain. Can they do it? Yeah, well, he was helping Moylan, that's for sure. Hmm. Uh, look, I I tend to think he's hurt the Sharks more than he's helped them this year. Because he costs Only them. in the fact he costs them an yeah. interchange early and he goes off and causes a reshuffle. It's and, happened multiple times um, too. He's... He's definitely in their top three players, most impactful players um, in their Especially team. Especially when healthy. I'd say for Fida, um, Holmes. who's the other one I'm looking for? Fida, Holmes, and, and Graham, I think, are the three go-tos for the Sharks. Yeah, so yeah. to lose him is huge. It is huge. I don't. I think now it rules them out of winning the comp. I don't think they can go three wins now. Uh, I'd expect them to beat Penrith. Um, but even still, like momentum's a funny thing. Penrith got some confidence out of the win on the weekend. It's going to be very, very difficult I actually, I actually like them um, against Melbourne. I think out of all the teams left, Who's they the Sharks. I think the Sharks probably give the Melbourne, I uh, give Melbourne the most headaches, uh, just historically f- from the niggle perspective, um, and then yeah, just from their record as well. So, but yeah, it's going to be more difficult. I think I like Scott Sorensen. They're going to play him there, and he's just steady up and down. But I think Capewell brings just a little bit more football. I know he's probably you know more of an attacking player than a defensive player, but it looks like they're going to go with Sorensen this week. I'd honestly start Capewell. Like he's not Wade Graham, but he does have a pass. Isn't he, isn't he injured? I no, Capewell was injured. Poor old Capewell ruptured a testicle last week, Oof. so he missed a game because of that. But he's going to back up and play this week. And there's been players in the past, Chris Flannery, and there's a couple of others that have played after that injury. Not one that any of us blokes would want, that's for sure. No, um, but I just think Scott Sorensen's rock solid. You know what you're going to get. But I think Capewell brings a little bit more in attack. So for me. I think they're going to play him off the bench, but I, I still have hope for him. I really do. Mm. I still think they can make it ugly enough, and I still think they've got enough. It just puts more pressure on that left-hand side that they've been relying on, and he's such a vital link man for them. Well, we're going to talk about it in the reviews. They threw that game down the road. Oh, basically. I, I have to give credit where credit's due, though, to the Roosters. Of course. Are. They absorbed for the whole game. They struggled in yardage. Like they they good, did a good job. But, but don't, don't peddle me the theory that the Roosters were just too good. No, they weren't you too know, good. No, like, they, I mean, there hasn't been a lot said about the Sharks, I don't think, in the media coverage no, anyway. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Um, number three, tackle three, Penrith and the Dragons come to life. Um, I guess the big thing is on the back end of the year there, all the drama, all the form line, yeah. injuries, off the field stuff. It's pretty hard to, you know, it, it is a different season as everyone says with finals, but I didn't see 
the results that came. Like, I thought Penrith had a chance because them and the Warriors flip a coin. Mm. But the Dragons won. I didn't see coming, given the injuries. I didn't think DeBellin would last the game. All we up. Neither of them ended up doing so. But that result was amazing. Well, then they lost Graham. The Panthers, well. yeah. The mm. Panthers, after 20 minutes, they were down and out. And then for the last 60 minutes, just strangled the Warriors. Only made about four errors in the whole game. Are either of these sides a chance this week? Oh, they're both a chance this week, definitely. If you had to do it on a definitely. scale. I, I said to you, we were watching the games. Um, well, we watched all the games together, I think, on the weekend. <clears throat> um, would you rather be a bottom four side that wins? I'm just talking from a week two perspective. Would yep. you rather be a bottom four side that wins or would you rather be a top four side that loses? And I'd rather be a bottom four side depending on the result. So the way Penrith won and got through that, and I think they're pretty healthy compared to, say, the Sharks <laughs> losing Graham having to try that game and dropping it, yeah. or a Souths who come out of that with a couple of injuries. Mm. I think the only thing going for Souths in that regard, though, is I still think they're a better football side than the Dragons, and the Dragons have plenty of injury problems, even yeah. more than what they did. And home field's not a not a advantage to either of the top four sides that lost. Like no. the Sharks go to Allianz, Penrith fans will travel. They yeah. were, they were going to play that game as a doubleheader at Allianz anyway yeah. before the GWS Swans game was played. And the Dragons have used ANZ Stadium as a home ground yeah, they've played um, there. previously. So they're going to get plenty of fans there. So home field's wiped. Um, I think the Dragons have got some concerns in the fact that they've got a shorter turnaround. They've got some injuries. So I, I look at them as cannon fodder a little bit to South. Yeah. Providing that South come out there the free job. of injury and do the job. I, I think they'll be too good for the Dragons. But, yeah, it's the momentum that Penrith have got now – that's a dangerous. It's dangerous, dangerous. yeah. Like you, the Sharks have got to be wary. They've gone from you know almost winning a top four game and having a week off to now they're one loss away from being out. So, yeah. you know, I'd rather be Penrith and Cronulla, but I'd rather be South than the Dragons. So yeah. it's probably fifty fifty on on that notion. But it's just it's an interesting conversation, I think. Yeah, I think like we said, Penrith got through unscathed. They had a gritty win the week before. They had a really good win on the weekend. They've got some confidence back. And- I also think there's a fault in the in the system in that. Now, if all the top four sides win through, we have a one versus two, three versus four in terms of the preliminaries. Yeah, I I don't know. You can't play the same team again, though. I don't like it. You can't. No, I like that as well. I just I like the top five system better. I think. I'm a bit. I'm intrigued by this. But I get it. It's for TV. I think this is the best system. It's much better than the McIntyre. You don't want to see the same games again. That's the other thing. So I get where you're coming from, but. I can understand the flip side even of it. A, even a top six like the Queensland Cup. The Queensland I mean. Cup I find interesting because basically being one and two, you get rewarded straight away. You get a week off, then you play one another, and then you get the chance to be rewarded again. But that also on the flip side, and we've spoke about this, can be to detriment. If you only play one game in three weeks and then rock up grand final day, yeah. you can lose a bit of flow and consistency. So it's not always a positive to have that kind of setup. But I like the way we've got it now. I'm a bit disappointed that the Roosters and the Rabbits ended up on the other side of the draw, but realistically... If we got, I almost like the, uh, the way that the NFL does it, where there's just you lose your out. Once you get to the end of the year, you lose your out. You get your week off. You I lose get your that, out. but I, I look at this now and I like the way it's. And then you could out. have twelve teams because realistically, we could potentially have, and it's not right off the Panthers or the Dragons. But if we had the 2016 Grand Final rematch down at Amy Park, and then Souths versus oh, Roosters at Allianz, like I think they're two cracker semi-finals. I, I think now we really, really need to see um, Melbourne. And the Roosters. Like, for me, that's that's the grand final I want to see now. Well, there's going to be question marks moving out of tackle three onto tackle four for that, and that is Latrell Mitchell and his charge and contesting it. There's no difference. That's, that's tonight, isn't it? 
I don't think he gets off. Yeah, but is, is he connect, he's contesting, contesting it tonight? contesting it tonight. Okay. So, so hopefully we'll have some news. Hopefully we'll find out by the end of it. But I, um, I, I struggle to see that he misses out. I hate loading, but at the same time, people are whinging about loading this week. It hasn't affected him in the sense of he got a charge only a week ago. So he's followed up with another charge. My mm. argument for loading, and I hate it, was you can go 20-something games and still have it yeah. during the year. I think they need to come up with a system, and I've heard Gus lose it bring it up that you pay for it. Bullshit about paying for it. You should drop five points per game. So if you go think, 20 games clean... I think more than that. What, more a game? 10 how points many, How many loadings you got? 85, they said. Yeah, carry well, over. if even with a guilty, he's still going to get charged. But yeah, like, See, I think you should lose maybe 10 carryover points a game. It, but it, that's I, not I think the, carry, the, only, the only way that the carryover points should stick and be the original value is if it's the same offence. Well, if you're a repeat offender, I think it builds up, which is... I, I agree with, and we've seen that in the past. But mm. if you're... First time, and it's like something very small or incidental, and you get 90 points, and then later in the year, you get picked up something like this. It's costing you a game. Yeah, I'm more mean for the clean record. Like the Trolls had a couple of charges, and it wasn't the smartest tackle the other night, but there could be other cases where you've gone. We've seen it in the past, like from what round was one. his other charge for? Uh, a week or two ago, I can't remember, but he got charged. And I think it's not the first time this year he's been in the judiciary either. I think okay. he's been in the judiciary three or four times this season. So yeah. I just don't it's like... It's hard to feel sorry for him. With, well, within a week, I can't feel bad for him. But the argument about loading come for me from this again, thinking to pass cases where people hold points all year, like you shouldn't get punished, you know, 24 <laughs> games down the track. I think there's got to be some kind of system where it, it disappears, whether it be 10 points a game or five yeah, points a game. I agree with that. Okay. But that, that's probably my main gripe out of this situation is not the charge. I don't think he'll get off. I don't think there's any way he can get off. And looking at it a few times, I know people were trying to come up with excuses or ways around it, but I think he knew exactly what he was doing. He deployed the legs. He had the See, head trapped there. He had his arms tucked under the armpits. I, I don't think there's a real way out of him. I, I don't think he deliberately did it. I, I, uh, Yeah, I, I don't think he deliberately did it, but... It's not as bad as Joe. It's not as bad uh, as, as Will as Chambers. Will I, don't, Chambers I, agree with that. I don't think it was intentional. I think he just naturally. That's the careless. way. Yeah, it's careless. Yeah. So went from an intent perspective. I think Chambers' intent was to hurt. I think Latrell's was just to complete the tackle. It's more for me. Like he um, still knew the head was there. Like the way he gripped him. Yeah, and but fell. I, I thought he made space for the head. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's very. Know. It's one you're splitting hairs on. Um, if he gets off for the sake of that game potentially being South Roosters, I'd be happy. But. It, I struggle to see how they defend it. And I heard people during this week, we've seen it on our page, go walk in there and show your own tackle when Nathan Cleary accidentally crashed it. You can't, it's not the same. Like he kind of fell into that tackle and Ace landed. And it's like, it's not the same example. Like realistically, if you look at the Will Chambers one, you look at his, they're not, he hasn't put as much force in it or intent as what Will Chambers has. But like, compared to some other ones, I don't know if he'll be able to find a way to avoid a charge. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I agree. I, yeah. I don't think he'd get off. I don't want to see him get scrubbed either. I'd love, I want to see them full strength. But I also think that um, finals should be worth 200 points. To miss a final should be 200 points. I think it should be double. I think yeah. the, the value of those games are, two, are, are double. But or, again, people would argue, and I agree with this as well, that no, well, premiership games are all the same. The yeah. system's the same. So I get that argument as well. I just think for these games, you want to see the best players out on the field. And for me... The offence of Latrell wasn't against Cronulla. Uh, sorry, it wasn't against whoever he's going to play next weekend. So why should they gain a benefit out of not having him on the field? It's one of those I, things. Could you? This is a bit out there, but could you have a system where he's he's not allowed to miss? Well, he has to miss the next game against Cronulla. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Like that's who the offence was against, I, and a lot of people argue that. They're like, well, I think he, maybe... he, he could knock someone out. Like you look at your Dylan Napa incident, where he stays on the field, he knocks out Andrew McCulloch. They get the advantage, and then he misses the next three weeks, and none of those games against the Broncos. No, 
I get that. I think maybe if it's not intentional or it's charged as just careless and it's grade one, you can buy your way out of it. Something I don't like, like buying your way out of it. I, I get that, still... but like, it's just like for what it is. Well, and... maybe if it went to charity, like if you started to... Yeah, but again, like, it... I don't know. For what it is, it's dumb because he's got himself in trouble a couple of weeks in a row, but realistically, it's the loading that's getting him. That's mm. the issue here again. The loading is what's going to get him yeah, charged. I've got, my, I've got the biggest issue just with repeat offenders and intent. Like I think where players have got clear intent to hurt someone maliciously and illegally, I think you should just come down with a hammer. Yep. The rest of them, I think if, if the intent is proven to not be deliberate... I've, I'm happy with fines. Yep, I'm fine with that. We move on to tackle five now. South, much like Cronulla uh, last week, they went after Melbourne. They dominated field position territory. Yardage had Melbourne trapped, but they couldn't come away with the result in the end. But I, I pose the same question as South, as I did to you with the Sharks. Are they good enough to go the long way around the mountain? And I think it's been spoken about this week the only team to have lost that week one game and gone the long way around the mountain since that system came in in 09 so far is the Cowboys of 2015 they lost to the Broncos got back to the grand final won the grand final yeah there you go Uh, I think they're good enough I definitely think they're good enough and I think their discipline just killed them the other night like we were I was almost making fun of it on the game companion predicting that they drop the ball or give away a penalty and they just did it three or four times after scoring a try on Melbourne. You just can't do it. Yeah, I think... They're defending Premiers. You're playing them at home in the opening game of the finals. Yeah. You can't give them anything. You get to half-time and Burgess comes up that poor read and runs and Croft goes through and puts that kick in or the shift down the left-hand edge where you can't defend that kick. Like the two long-distance tries, the field goal, like Melbourne found ways to get points. Yeah. The ones inside 20 that we spoke about, Melbourne couldn't get upfield. They were given to them the opportunities by South. Yeah. And when Melbourne get inside 20, surely enough, most of the time with Cameron Smith, Ke- uh, Munster, Billy Slater, they're going to come up with ways to get after you. And they did when they got those opportunities off South. They absorbed a fair bit, but three or four of their opportunities that were given inside 20 were thanks to South Sydney. Yeah. Um, I also think on the flip side of that, for South, you'd be more disappointed because the Curtis Scott penalty, I didn't agree with. The forward pass, I didn't think it was a forward pass. So I don't 100% agree with the, the sin binning of George Burgess, but they got out of that pretty fair. Uh, and a couple of calls late gave him some opportunities to score tries, but both times they scored, Melbourne... I thought there, there was a few dodgy calls, but I thought they evened out. They evened out, the, but Melbourne got the strike yeah. back straight after they got points after those ones. So I think they really let themselves down in that game. They had a chance yeah. to move on to week three. So. Yeah. And I think not a lot's been said about the Munster's field goal. How cracker. freakish that was. An absolute ripper, and it was first the set after. Well. Set after points. Bang, let's go. Scored the long-distance try, then went downfield, kicked the field goal. Yeah. Amazing. Tackle six and the final one here, Cooper Cronk. Uh, he gives the Roosters what they're looking for this week in that game. Control, composure, kicked them to a victory. The field goal laid on was absolutely outstanding. And from the Melbourne Storm perspective, the other team that booked a spot in week three for Craig Bellamy, that is his 13th preliminary final, I think, or 10 of 13 or something like that, that he's gone into preliminary finals freaky, in yeah. each year. And they just find a way again. And the best thing for Melbourne is they needed a rest. And he even mentioned it. They definitely need that rest. It's going to be good for Billy, for Munster, for Smith, who have all had big seasons. Bromwich, who's played through some injury as well. And then on top of that, Nelson Asafa-Solomona gets a chance to come back in and Will Chambers off suspension. So Melbourne have no excuses now going into week three. They get a rest. They're going to have their full strength side back, the best side they can field. And they're going to be at home. Mm. Uh, I mean, for the good Roosters, luck. for the Roosters, we, we don't know what's going to happen with Latrell Mitchell, but the week off for them given Tokiaho may not play as massive and they get Dylan Napa back. So they may be short of Luttrell, but also that rest is good timing considering Tokiaho may not recover as well. So yeah, um, still some questions there about player personnel, but one and two get the week off. Um, 
speaks, I guess, to regardless of how tight the ladder is, speaks to their seasons to get the job done and book themselves that week. And nine times out of ten, it's usually a preliminary final week three team that's been rested that wins the competition. So it's a golden opportunity for both these sides right now. Mm. Alrighty, moving out of our set of six and jumping into these reviews of the games from the weekend, and they are brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. They say the best defence is offence, so what defence have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Solar Centre is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. Whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC are devoted to giving you control back of your power bills. Let the sun work for your home and your back pocket, save thousands per year, in energy costs that may be the difference between good seats or great seats watching your team in the NRL Grand Final. Contact Penrith Solar Centre today on 1800 20 2930 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season. www.penrithsolar.com.au And we obviously spoke to uh, Jake on the weekend, the boss over there at PSC, and there's been a couple of people from the podcast that have called up and Plenty. got on board leading into summertime. So now's the time. Get on board, mention the podcast, and let the boys sort you out. But first game... That one we just spoke of, Storm versus South Sydney, and what a game it was. That was an absolute perler on Friday night. and uh, It was try for try. It was back and forth. Melbourne had to dig deep. They absorbed a hell of a lot. I thought they did a really good job on the Burgesses. They frustrated Sam in particular. Uh, he made four errors, a couple of missed tackles. Uh, didn't have his best game, even though the effort was there. But I, I thought they got him off their, his game in particular. Welch marked off him a couple of times. Dale Finucan, Felice off the kickoff when he pumped him. That was an absolute cracker of a moment for me, but the actual flow of the game, looking at South, they dominated in field position. They dominated in territory. They got out of yardage really easily. Adam Reynolds was just pinpoint with his kicking game. They kept trapping Melbourne in that same inside 10 corridor in the back corner, making them ruck it out. And Melbourne, for most part of the game, were just kicking from inside 20 or 30 and trying to hold on. But as we spoke about before, the big thing is South giving away penalties to help Melbourne out of their own end or dropping the football a couple of times in their own end. And ultimately, when you give Melbourne good football inside 20, they find a way to score points. And they conceded on the back of it a few times as well. But I think the big one or the biggest moment of all was leading into half time. Greg Inglis scores that try, shifting out to the edge there uh, off the Robert Jennings offload where somehow he keeps his arm off the floor. And Billy Slater makes a huge effort. And I tell you what, I didn't see it the first time I watched it, but Vunavale, I wanted to give an uppercut after I watched the replay. He was too busy yelling at the touchy saying that the elbow hit the ground rather than being there to make the cover tackle. Yeah. Um, but on the back of that, Melbourne somehow, after looking like they were going to go into half time with their heads down, Brody Croft, who's been much maligned during the year, had his opportunity early in the year, didn't take it with two hands. I don't hands. understand why he has been much maligned. But anyway, I, I, like I've banged his drum all year. I, I don't know how he hasn't played seven all year. I, I think he's their best chance. And I said it real early. I think he's their best chance to win a competition. He has to be the seven. He's the genuine seven. Well, he you can't up- play, you know, like you, you Hughes. I think Hughes is a great player, but you can't play Hughes with Munster. You can't play, who's the other kid? Jax. Um, Jax with Munster. They just, Croft is your seven. Yeah, well, he came up it's with... It's been proven. He came up with a critical moment on Sam Burgess in, again, one of his unhappy moments in the game. He was at A... He came up sideways and Croft was good enough to cut back inside there, make that line break. And the kick for Vunavalu on half time was an absolute pearl. But that gave him a real sniff and real punch in the guts to South Sydney heading into the second half. And in that second half, uh, you look at how things played out there. Got in the back end of the bit of the grind kind of side of things. Melbourne had that opportunity when Burgess got put in the bin. They kicked the penalty goal and on the back of it, 
they got pinned in their own half and realistically South ended up taking probably more gas out of the storm than what they did out of them. But I think there was a moment there that they whacked somebody, I can't remember who it was, and they claimed that Melbourne played at the football. So that gave them another set of six when it looked like they turned possession over. And on the back of that, we had the Curtis Scott moment where he dragged, can't remember who it was in the touchdown, was it Johnston or someone in the cover yeah, tackle? Course, yeah. And they said that that was a penalty and then they called a forward pass on what looked to be flat when Billy Slater was like a step behind and South score that soft try where Murray runs over the top of Stimson. Munster probably overread in that situation. He can't pass the ball. And again, you kind of sat there and thought Melbourne are in trouble here. You know, you don't know whether they're going to come up with points. They've been pinned in their half all game. Melbourne, oh, sorry, South have had all the possession, all the territory, all the field position, just bashed him in yardage and somehow... A nice early shift there. Munster gets the ball out wide. Addo Carr puts that absolute perler kick back in for Chase Blair. and um, He also slid over, obviously. Not too long before that when they got a chance in good field position. And Next set, Munster walks downfield and knocks the field goal over. Yeah. And ugly as it was, 35 metres out first attempt that was really deflating for South Sydney. And Melbourne somehow dig themselves out of a hole there. And uh, I, I was pretty blown away. I really... Thought South were you know going to dominate that game if they kept their composure about them. They were going to win field position and territory, and they did. But Melbourne just kept finding ways to get themselves back in the game, and in particular, the two long distance tries were the two critical moments for me. They were, yeah, they were break, they were heartbreakers. So for me, South City they played the ball quicker than Melbourne. They gained more territory than Melbourne. They caused Melbourne a lot more issues. Their discipline was dog shit, uh, particularly at critical stages. They came up with poor errors. And Anthony Seabold, I think, summed it up best at full time, saying that they just got taught a lesson in semi-final football. It's not so much about winning, you know, the minutes overall. It's about winning key moments. And South just, they couldn't do it. Melbourne, just too good. Like, I can't believe I tipped. Um, I know in the podcast I tipped Melbourne only to, because I went against what you guys did, but just Melbourne at home, why the hell did I go away from that? I'm not sure. It's a formula that just keeps winning. Certainly does, and uh, you could tell after the game what it meant to them. You saw the reaction on the players. I know every year that's the case, but well, they lose there, they can't win the comp. They, I said it before we even started last week. I, had, you I did. You, I go you, for you've been saying it for two weeks. I, I, zero I, I, I thought all year that they've looked a step Behind. sort of off the pace. Um, in that game, I still, I still have questions over what they can deliver. But now I, I feel ten times better about them now, purely on the fact that, A, they're going to get all those players back, and, B, it's going to be on the back of two weeks rest. And, again, uh, I don't... And they're going to play at home. I don't like reaching for emotional factors, but if there's any more motivation than sending off Billy Slater at Amy Park with a win to get to the GF, regardless of who comes through. Good luck, Penrith or Cronulla. I I can't see either of them going down there and winning. I I really didn't think things were in place for them, but now they get the chance to get healthy. Penrith struggled without all those players to beat them. You know, it was a six-point game with however long to go. So it's... Well, I still think week this week to last week... Drinkwater and all these guys in on their debut and, yeah. and they still gave Penrith a run for their money. So. I still think Penrith, similar to the Warriors and other teams that have troubled Melbourne, could if they get could. off loads in second phase and come down. But we're a week away. We'll see how they go this I week. I my money will be, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you. But honestly, either of the teams that come through, I think, could pose a problem, but... Like I, yeah, I wasn't really confident, but given the situation now, I think the stage is set for Melbourne to make the grand final. Hmm. I'm not penciling it in, but there's a lot of things that have fallen well into place now for Melbourne that if they didn't... Well, there are good a chances they're ever going to be. If they didn't win that game and to make the grand final, I'd be pretty disappointed now, given the way things have fallen. Yeah, form. I agree. Um, but again, we said it before, to go through multiple halfbacks, six or seven in origin, a couple of injuries during the year, this changeover, lots of good young kids blooded in and 
they found a way to finish top four and they found a way to get through to week three. Yeah. It's a huge effort and Craig Bellamy. Please God. I'm so glad that he stayed. But moving on to the second game, the Panthers versus the Warriors and first fifteen to twenty minutes was just all the Warriors. The Panthers, as usual, missed the start. They've made a habit of doing that this year. In particular, a couple of poor errors by Billy Kickow and why he is so damaging. He can come up with Oxford Diamond sometimes. He threw a couple of shit offloads, to be quite honest. And New Zealand were just riding high. Isaac Luke dives over from dummy half. Then they had that great try shifting to the right-hand side where they got a couple of offloads and found Fussy Tour on the ring. And at 12-2, all things were pointing to the positive. They looked like they were jacked up. They had all the momentum. And to me, it all changed when Adam Blair threw that shit offload that he premeditated. And we say this all the time. You can't premeditate the off- offloads. You've got to run, get to the line first, and if you can find your arm free or you see players around you, it should happen naturally. But he went into the line with his arm free. It was tackled maybe two or three, and they were about five out from Penrith's line. There was Penrith players all around him, and he was falling to the ground, and he still threw it. And from that moment there, James Maloney had figured out that they were struggling to get out of yardage, and it was better off to not give the back three a chance to wind up. So he started to kick early and try and catch Roger Tuivasa check out. Before you know it, 40-20, they find an opportunity where Qatar on that other edge was rushing up and just defending like an absolute spade. And they put that grabber kick in behind, get the first try. They kick out dead full on the back of that. There's more momentum going against the Warriors. Next thing you know, of all people, and I wouldn't have expected it, Simon Mannering in the ruck. Turns mm. his back to the play the ball. Katoa jumps out in behind there and puts Dallin through and Maloney backs up. And before you know it, not long after that, two of us are checks down. So they've pegged back two tries in a small space of time off a couple of critical errors from the Warriors, and then they've lost their spiritual leader. And from that moment onwards, they didn't really strike a blow. No, they, they didn't. didn't try to they do anything with the football. Wrong. I think and they it, dogged it. I reckon they. I, I honestly believe that once that game sort of went past them, they they dogged it. It was really really disappointing to see. Um, I don't think many of them can hold their head high, but I will say that I thought that when Hiku went to fullback, he busted his ass. He tried really really hard, but you can't do it on your own. And I thought Marmolo the whole game out of yardage tried really, really hard, but a lot of other guys after that dropped their head. And in particular, I know today there's been lots of questions at Johnson, and I, I can't really point the finger solely at Johnson. And I hate when people do just point at the halfbacks because their forward pack and the rest of the team didn't lay a platform platform for him to get the opportunity. Not to mention the fact they got strangled in the second half for the first 10 to 15 minutes with no possession. But I'd like him to have a bigger impact. I want him to touch the football, at least roll the dice, yes. But I'm not solely pointing the finger like everyone seems to have done the last few days talking about firing him and go by Nathan Cleary instead. Like I think there's a massive overreaction to the way they've been carrying on in the last 24 hours. But full credit has to go to Penrith because 12-2 down, as they've made a habit of this year, they fought their way back. But the most impressive thing for me, their errors and penalties have been awful in this kind of six-week period. And last week, they got a dogged effort in against Melbourne and held on, despite getting smashed in the penalty count. But four errors in the game total. James Maloney made a hell of a difference. He took control of this game, took the pressure off Nathan, thought the forward pack did a a solid job. But the most impressive part was probably the yardage game. The yardage game from Dallin and Mansour in particular, getting their set started. After those early early, um, errors... And when they were on tilt, they, they never really looked to have any trouble getting out of yardage. And no. that was going to be the biggest issue. They reeled it back in. But the biggest thing was control for me. They controlled that game. They dictated where the Warriors yeah. got the football. That first part of the second half where James Maloney forced three repeat sets and they just sat there patiently, which is something we haven't associated with them, and held the football. They put them in there for five sets and just held them there. Mm. And when they orchestrated that try to Crichton under pressure with jamming defenders out to the wing, that moment there was the end of it for me. And what's interesting, they're going to run up against a side now who are the total opposite of the Warriors. Mm. They're going to drag them they into love a that dog shit. fight. Yeah. They love that. I think on the flip of it, much like the Panthers though, the Sharks can have a game of dropsies and poor discipline. So I think whoever, again, keeps their composure and their discipline 
and sticks in the grind for longer and makes it uglier, it'll be a very interesting game. But mm. uh, I really think, like I said, Maloney come to the fore in this game in particular after missing a couple yeah, of games. Yeah, the impact. He steered them. Those repeat sets, the support play, like it was outstanding. And everyone else kind of chipped in and they did their job. They defended them really well in yardage. They got stuck into them. I thought for that, like I said, that last 60, they, they just took them out of the game. They didn't give them a chance. Yeah. And in particular, the critical part for me with that lead going into the second half was that first 10 to 15. When you defend five sets on your line, especially as former middles, or you've played on an edge end in the middle, I've played a bit of both as well. But when, as a forward, when you're defending and you're defending, you're defending, you're just sitting there going, you know, just hold on, just hold on. When Crichton crashed over after those four or five sets and pushed it out to, I think it was a 12-point lead at the time, that hurts big time. And you've gashed their forwards, and on the back of that, Penrith just kicked early again, got down there in yardage and strangled them. And they were just coming out one out. Marmola, those kind of guys were trying to carry them out of yardage, but they needed at some point to just say, you know, throw their hat in the ring and start throwing the footy around. And they didn't try anything at the Warriors. They basically just shut down and Penrith just dictated terms. Yeah, that, that, as soon as Sheck went off, they, they lost their bundle. It just, yeah, I, I can't make an excuse for him. I know Shaq going off hurt them, but well, you got to have a crack Johnson, for the Green, next 60 minutes Johnson, after that. Green, Tohu, They've Harris. Got, yeah, an, an all-star um, side there. So no excuses, Warriors. I, I mean, it was a fantastic effort for them to get there. You know, the monkey's off the back in that regard yep. to the finals, but the way they went out, that's very disappointing. Yep. Uh, yeah, second half, like I said, just... Really good job, and that, that puts Penrith in good stead. And what a turnaround that's been in a short space of time. I, I think that game really gets their confidence up coming into this week. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching them and the Sharks play. But yeah, James Maloney for me in particular, the key. Dallas is now moving back there instead of Peachy is a much safer option. Better set starts, and he was outstanding in that game. And Peachy, a couple of the forwards, just it was a real solid all round effort. And I'm happy they put Katoa back in. I know a lot of people have been laying the boot into him compared to Egan, but I know who well, I'd... Well, they didn't pre- have any other options, did he? Well, I'd know who I'd prefer to play nine, and I thought they were insane yeah, the other week when they put Egan in to play over Katoa. Katoa yeah. can be erratic, yes. Does he have some little brain snaps? Yes, but... He's clearly their best nine. He's a better nine. I think he offers more out of more half, more deception. Better defender. More aggressive than Egan. It's no knock on Egan, but he still needs more time and cut to me. He needs to develop. So, yeah, I wouldn't be rushing that side of things, but Fisher-Harris as well. Great game. I must throw one thing out there. I know he's back from an injury, but he's been back for a few weeks now, I think. Campbell Gillard, a bit quiet for me. Hmm. I don't think um, he's had a good year at all. Yeah, oh, I, I think, yeah like even after it. the start, though, I think he's a good footballer, but after coming back from that injury, like Mansell got a facial fracture as well, and he's ripped in hmm. from the moment he's come back. He's taken dirty carries left, right, and centre. I just don't think that Campbell Gillard's been as brave or involved since his facial injury, and he needs to find it real quick, and he needs to help out that forward pack. And Bill Kickout for me, I love him. But the shit errors and penalties need to disappear. Like As much good as he does for you, he can be a real detriment as well at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I think the last few weeks in particular, he's just got to reel it back in a little bit, focus on carrying hard first and getting to the line before he just starts throwing hand grenades. Yeah, I agree. Because he can be the difference next week for Penner yeah. if he reels it back in. But great effort by them. Warriors very poor. Roosters Cronulla, uh, 21-12. I honestly think that the Roosters in this game were on the back foot for the most part. They were. And I was quite disappointed that the Sharks couldn't close this out. And this is no knock on the Roosters. I thought they did absolutely outstanding to absorb that pressure. Again, hold on in yardage and Cooper Cronk was constantly kicking out of the trouble. Some of the kicks he put in last night were worth their weight in gold, mm. um, considering where they were kicking from. The early loss of Tokiaho throughout the interchanges, I give a massive rap to Jadbury Hargraves. I thought he pulled a huge two stints last night and he led from the front and Ted Ivano's bench involvement. And then late on, when I thought they had been lacking a little bit, they got a bit of spark out of Radley and Madison, who came on and made a difference with some second phase play and digging in the line. But I honestly felt like Cronulla, in particular in the first half, 
held all the field position, territory, control. They had opportunities in good ball and they just, at the end of the day, bombed three or four chances that over the game, you've got to start banking points. And the most critical one of all was the Luttrell Mitchell um, taking yeah, that ball Lewis. off Luke Lewis. I can't believe that wasn't a try, but Fecky with Latelli, just a bit of mistiming, threw it behind him. You had <laughs> Holmes go through, thought he was possibly going to cut back on the inside, but he threw the ball to Dugan and it was a little bit behind him and he dropped that one as well. Like, there was just opportunity they after bombed. opportunity yeah. and... Um, the Roosters, like I said, for the most part, just were coming out of yardage. And I will say one thing for them, they're not usually very composed in that situation. But the other night, I think their patience in kicking out of yardage and holding on contributed to them not getting taken out. And when they got opportunities, they took them. They yeah, was, the they Cooper Cronk effect was in full force because he'll be the buy of the he's season the because he just calms them down. He pushes them around the park. He kicks. I could see it early in the season. Just the wheels were turning on it. I know a lot of people were jumping on him. And saying he's passed it and he's shit and you know he's not the same player at at Roosters as he was at Melbourne, but he's a system player and all that bullshit that they were talking about. He's a game manager, and it was always going to take him time to learn the strengths and weaknesses of the players around him. He now I think he's got a better grasp on it. I don't think he's at the point where you know he's at the end of his knowledge and learning about the guys around him and how to get the best out of them. But I think he's in a much better position now, obviously, than what he was at the start of the year. So. He um he's going to have a huge impact now, particularly with two weeks rest. That's again a huge um, advantage, I think, for Cronk. Well, they'll be doing heaps the of video, and he'll be tipping up on all sorts of yeah. things. Like they'll they'll focus and they'll know whether Tokiaho is good to go within the next week, heading into next week. How he's doing? They've got Napa back on board. No, know about the Troy Mitchell tonight. So well, I'd have I'd have one assistant coach breaking down the Panthers. I'd have the other assistant coach breaking down the Sharks. Um, and he's almost like another coach. And sorry, Robinson's a freak ridiculous. as well. Like, I'd have him breaking down the Dragons, breaking down um, South Sydney, because that's who they're yeah. going to play. And in between um, Cronk and Robinson, they'll do that as well. Yeah, of course. Like, he's, of course. he's an extra coach, and Robinson's um, a freak. We know the time he puts in. Like, that, yeah, and and I, well, I know for a fact that they'll also have other people scouting, just independent. Yeah. They have a lot of independent people doing video at the Roosters, which mm. is, again, just Robinson loves having eyes, eyes across everything, dot every I across every T. You've got Cronk there. Um, They'll get Napa back now, won't they? Or is yeah, it Napa was basically a straight swap for Tokiaho if he's out. I okay. still think Tokiaho is more consistent and been safe for this season. But again, if you're going to lose one prop, you want another one coming back in. Yeah, the one fly in the ointment is Mitchell. Losing Mitchell will be a blow. And the Particularly re- if they run into South because... The potential reshuffle there is do you put Orbison there and push Manu to... Actually, no, you leave Manu where he is. You put Orbison on the other side. Yeah, of course, yeah. I, I, I was calling for Orbison anyway. I, I wanted... Mitchell Lawson in the um, in the side. I just think he's he's a good defender, does a job. He's not quick. He's not going to score a try out of nothing. But they've got enough game breakers out at the Roosters. They, I think I just like him as a defender. I think he does his job. Well, in that one in this game, that the only guy who I thought really looked like a threat constantly was James Tedesco. Him out of dummy half. He, he won't kick return. Every time he took a run, he made a half break or slid through a gap. His awareness around the middle of the field, his work out of yardage, his kick returns, his kick coverage, and the ball-playing ability that, for some reason, everyone this year dogged on, and I've been banging on for two years, that I don't understand how people don't think he's got a ball-playing game, which is no, why it's definitely got better, though. everyone tugged it's off you know, Tom Trebojevic saying he's the better ball-player. Like, he's not. I, I and think we were both on him for origin. Everyone, A lot of people were they off didn't, him They were writing him off. Um, he was well, outstanding. It, it, the pass he threw to Tupo was... Outstanding, and he won the Brad Fittler Medal last night for the best. Well, New he South should have been the best player in the fucking he series. Should have. Well, him I like. Cook, so 
No, I, I thought clearly by a mile he was the best player. In oh, I'm with you. But I think much like you said, Kronk has learnt their system better. They've learned how to use Tedesco better. When they but, got him yeah, there. Yeah, but also just the effect, that's the Kronk effect as well, having that impact on Tedesco. I teach him how to they, play. They also, at the start of the year, looked at they wanted to use all their toys differently. So they are basically like, we've got Kiri, we've got Kronk, we just want to sit you on the back of those players on the edges. But if you watched him at Tigers and you bought him for what he does well... Yeah, but I think that's just the building to, of a side. I know that, but he prefers to push around the ball, be around the ball, always kind of be in the action, and then he still makes his way to yeah. the edge. You can't tell him... You don't get the finished product straight away. Hmm. So it's how you construct your team. But they overstructured it too early and told him to sit out in the I edges. I don't mind that, but... I do. I don't mind. Because he needs to be around the ball. But we'll look at the product now. That, I know, but he's now he's around the ball. Now. Yeah, but because you can't, they've let you can't him come put in. him around the ball straight away when you, you're trying to get your halves to learn systems. And I, I think they've done it perfectly. I think Robinson is going to take a lot of credit for the way that he's timed this season. I think too often they've played their best 42 early, the Roosters. This year, I think they're timing it well. We also haven't really seen streaks, I guess, from them this year, which is what we touched on last bit. They won the minor premiership. They never really put together a real That's good because streak. because they've got a lot of moving parts. Like a loss and two. They're like a two and three kind of team. They'd win two, lose one, win one, lose two, win two. Like it was kind of patchy the whole way through. But um, I guess at the end of the day, like I said, for Cronulla, it's a case of what could have been. Uh, multiple opportunities missed. They had the better of the field position. I thought they rolled up field quite well. They bashed the Roosters coming out of yardage. They were basically just kicking all day and absorbing. Uh, but for the Roosters, I thought Tupo in particular, who's had a couple of rough weeks, error-wise, was better. Ferguson's yardage work all year has been outstanding. Uh, he was he was brilliant. Jerry Rehargo's led from the front. I thought, no, Napa, no Tokiaho, that early, Cordner. Uh, or everyone kind of did their job. And then those two guys off the bench, like like Tedovano's still off the bench too, having to play more minutes. He was good. So they just all did their job. But I honestly thought that Cronulla had the better of things and they just didn't beat their chances. Valentine Holmes still had a huge game, like 300-plus metres. He couldn't have done much more. I thought Townsend, again, for people that bag him, kicked well. That nice try when he jumped back to the short side and identified the winger there, and he chipped in. But I think the real pressure goes on Matt Mullen this week without Wade Graham on that edge. Chad Townsend gets you around the field. He ticks a lot of boxes. Segarra coming on program in the middle, and there's Holmes there as well. But in particular, Matt Moylan was brought in there to do a job. And it's funny how things work out. He's playing against his old club, and Maloney's up against the Sharks this weekend. So the player swap. Coming up against one another, we'll see who's got the best of the deal when they move on to the preliminary final this weekend. Yeah. There you go. In the last game, Dragons-Broncos. Well, the Broncos. Said at the start of the year, and I said last week, oh, happy, shit to, the bed. happy to eat some humble pie if they get the job done and push through, but never had confidence in the halves and the young forward pack. But it was all there on a platter, and everyone banged the drum. 4 p.m. game, Brisbane, full house against a wounded side. Could the young forward pack step up? Could the halves take control of the situation? And they got run over. That's basically the simplest way to put it. They were dominated. Uh, it all started with Frizzell's first carry when he busted through the line and left, I think it was Offerhand Gowie and Milford on the floor. Tarek Sims was on the back of that. He was plenty angry. I think their set starts were a lot better than what they've been. And then late in the game, even after losing DeBellin, who was basically playing needled up and only lasted half the game, and James Graham... For the first time, Paul McGregor was forced to use that bench, and I thought they showed him why he should have had more trust early on. Lattimore put in a good stint. Blake Laurie was outstanding when he came on the field. Yeah, Lua showed in his little glimpses he can do a job, and uh, Kurt Mann, obviously, as he has done the whole year when he comes on, just plugs in nicely. But I think the big thing here was why Widdop was on the field and why those forwards laid that platform. McInnes found confidence, and Ben Hunt found confidence for me. McInnes chipped in a couple of the tries. Just he was running, he was probing, and Ben Hunt, as the game went on, had some better touches. He chipped in for one of the tries. He kicked quite well. Later on, when Woodup went off and it was even more critical, he put the ball out of touch a couple of times and he kicked the 40-20. Hmm. And if Brisbane wanted to know 
was it the right decision letting Benny Hunt go? Regardless of how bad he's played in the last couple of weeks, he stepped up, I thought, on the weekend and probably showed why he needed to be there with Anthony Milford to be the number seven. And no offence to Nekarima. He's done a solid job all year, but defensively on the edge, he struggles. Uh, he doesn't really have a kicking game. He's not a controlling number seven, and neither is Anthony Milford. No. You need a seven to win. We've said that all year. So, Ford Pack shit the bed. Corbin Sims got shot up by his brother big time. He had a couple of bad errors and some poor defensive reads, and in particular that right edge. As good as David Fafita has been, they targeted him, Nick Arima, James Roberts, who dead said, I don't know what he's doing half the time defensively. But that edge got tormented. They scored five down that side. Yeah. Uh, full credit to the Dragons to turn up and put in that effort. And I just, yeah, I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. But Frizzell and Sims in particular, I take Matt off to. Frizzell's yeah. first carry set the tone. And then when James Graham smashed Josh Maguire in the first set, defensively and offensively, they let the Broncos know that they're all this rant and raving and this run of form. It's a different season. It's a finals <laughs> game. The ball's in your court. And I thought the Broncos were quite soft, to be honest. Yeah, they were. They were terrible. Uh, it's funny that I've heard I heard Gus Gould say it last night. Um, I heard someone else say it on radio on Monday that they could tell that the Broncos were off by the way they warmed up. Mm. So they brought a lack of intent and intensity to their warm-up. There's two people um, with credibility that know the game, that watch them warm up and thought their, their minds are on the job today. And that's, that's worrying. Uh, it, does it show inexperience? Does it show a lack of care? Does it show a lack of passion? Uh, you know, they've Jumped up and down for the last few weeks. You know, we're playing for our coach. They came out and rolled the Roosters. Uh, they flogged Manly to earn themselves a home final. They had a lot to play for in the fact that it was Sam Thiday's yep. well, farewell game. Um, they had a wounded Dragons. They had Ben Hunt coming up against his ex-club. Uh, they had a full house Sunday afternoon. No excuse. No. So, And they, they dished up shit. It was rubbish. Yep. Um, I think the halves have got to take a lot of blame. I thought McCulloch had zero impact on this game mainly down to the fact that their forwards Ford had minimal impact on this game. Everyone's banging on about how good their forward pack is and how young and dynamic and good they are. They got smashed by the Dragons, and the Dragons lost DeBellin. Uh, they lost Graham. No Vaughan to come uh, in the game. Yeah, We're not no lasting Vaughan. 50 minutes. The, you know, they had a lot of uh, concerns. I think, for me, Ben Hunter hasn't been going that bad. I've, you know, I haven't defended him on the podcast, but nah. I certainly haven't laid the boot into him. But the I think what's really understated is the impact that Gareth Widop has on him. Halves partners, halves partners, halves pairings. That's two, not also, one. So Ford Pack. The Ford Pack did a job. You know, on the you're weekend. talking about Milford and Nicarima. You know the impact that they have and how good or bad they are. They Ford impact Pack. on each other as well. Well, just in the fact that no one, neither of them are a genuine seven. Like you go back to what I said about Melbourne. They look a, Munster looks a lot better with Croft there. Croft looks good with Munster there, and, and yeah, it all comes back to the middle of the field. So, and the Dragons won the middle of the field for the first time in a few weeks. And I think that's the best game that McInnes has had in 10 weeks because that's the best game the Dragons forwards have had in 10 weeks. Yeah. So it's not rocket science. No, it all, everything starts um, in the engine room. We all know that. But this is why, I don't, like I said, same so thing as Sean thing on the weekend. They all point the finger. Right, John, halves can't do anything without momentum, quick play the balls. Like yeah, there's there's got to be a knock Johnson, on for me, just his kicking game, and he's just his, some of his little options. I don't think he's got that Cooper Cronk about it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
him. So I think he needs to develop more strings to his bow. That's the only thing I'd say about Sean Johnson because the Warriors are what they are. You know what they are. You know what their issues are. So mm. you need to work out some uh, some elements of your game that are going to assist you in times like the weekend when they shit hits the fan with the Warriors. Mm. Can you put in a Cameron Smith long kick from dummy half when you identify that the wingers are up and the fullbacks out of position? Mm. It turns the momentum in the game. I think that's for me the only... And that's not a criticism of Sean Johnson. I just think he needs to develop more as a player and challenge himself to really get into that elite tier. I think he's a fantastic player. Do I think he's an elite half in our competition? No. No. Well, again, the last time so, he that's, had... That's for me. How you get there, that's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah, well, again, young forward... Inconsistency forwards, for Brisbane. Yeah, well, and again, Sims was awful. Uh, Pangai Jr. a few times this year, showing a bit of swagger and talked it up. And he should bring the, it every week. He shit the bed on the weekend and got dominated. And I think uh, Lodge showed a bit of bad character after a yeah. really good year when he threw the swinging arm and got grabby at the back. I also, end, so. think they're out coached. To be fair, there's been a lot of criticism of Paul McGregor, but they're out coached. And we've said a lot. There's some pretty ruthless Dragons fans that uh, listen to our show. Surely you've got to be satisfied with what you saw on the weekend. Like mm. your team genuinely dug in and really pulled one out there considering the circumstances. And a lot of those same fans were saying, get Wayne back and get McGregor out. Well, I can tell you for a fact that, you know, and again, obviously Vaughn is there, but they all love Paul McGregor. So Yeah, loving him and then having him be a good coach. I get that, but they think think he is though. It's not just the person. Yeah, I get that. The same argument that Brisbane players are making. We love Wayne. Well, look what you dished up on the weekend. Understandable, but it's not just the person they're talking about though. I don't mind McGregor. From from what I've seen on him, I don't know know him from a bar or so. Wouldn't know him. Wouldn't know how he coaches, how he runs things. So I've got no idea. But from what I've seen on 360, he seems like a genuine fella. Does he seem like an intellect? No. no. Uh, but that means you just got to surround yourself with intellects. And they're, they're going well. well. They've got better every year he's coached them. Yeah. And he's also inherited it and made some changes slowly along the way. Mm. So now he's got basically what he said this year, which is his roster. Yeah. And they've got the week two under duress and hard circumstances. They're going to learn a lot of things out of this year. I don't expect them to go past South this week. No. They're going to learn a lot of things just out of how to manage their bodies around origin and all that sort of stuff as well. So well, and he's going to have a huge impact out of state of origin. I think he's going to see kind of what I saw on the weekend though, that he can give that bench more of an opportunity. And if he does, well, the only way for the bench to get better is to play, play them. And that's why I thought it was bullshit earlier when he's like, Oh, I'm going to give these guys time. Five minutes isn't time to develop. No. Late Laurie, Reese Robson, all these guys you wanted to give a run, five minutes is not helping him. They needed genuine time. Yeah. And early doors when they were winning quite well was the time to do it. Yeah, I agree. Or during the origin period, rest your players when they had that lead, preserve them and potentially they would have had a better, fresher run in the back end of the year. But I thought they're two areas that he'll learn from as well mm-hmm. from having such a, a heavy origin toll this time around. But um, yeah, 53 missed tackles, 15 errors and a 68% completion rate from Brisbane. They shit the bed, plain and yeah. simple. Good work by the Dragons. Hopefully Graham DeBellin shape up for this week. But DeBellin in doubt, and even if he gets needled, I said last week, I didn't think he'd last the game. And I also said I didn't think Widdop would last because we both done that rehab. If it dislocates and you don't tear anything, it's eight and 12 weeks. He was back after five and it came out again. Yeah. So he's definitely done now. So it's going to be a massive ask. But yeah, there you go. In-depth review of those finals games. We'll move on now to your fan questions brought to you by the Nepean Boltmaster, www nepbolt.com.au Nepeat Boltmaster is your complete fastening system supplier with their main office at Penrith covering more than 1,500 square metres and a second branch at Seven Hills covering 300 square metres. They boast the largest range of fasteners and associated products not only in the region but throughout the state but there's a lot more than just bolts and fasteners. You'll also find industrial and engineering products, abrasives, hand and cutting tools, lifting materials, handling products, safety and cleaning products, paints and general hardware. 
The Peen Boltmaster provides total needs sourcing packages for all trades associated with construction, engineering, and all industry segments. If you're a tradesman like myself, get your tools or your bits and bobs from the Boltmaster, www.nepbolt.com.au. Contact was and the boys there. Well, fan questions box head. Yeah, let's rip through these. Poindexter. Dragons fans ashore are a hypocritical bunch. After the Dogs game, they were burning jerseys and arguing with players online. They were ready to crucify Hunt after the para game. Now, slinging mud like they never doubted them. Wonderful. What will it be next week? And favourite ice cream? It depends on um, how they go. Favourite ice cream, I love uh, connoisseur vanilla. Cookies and cream or salted caramel? I'm a fan of, but yeah, I think, again... Been uh, pretty aggressive, the old Dragons fans at times, but I think you should be happy with the way the year's panned out considering, uh, you know. Yeah, we've just gone over it. We just spoke about the Dragons for 10 minutes. So. And he's also got here, how's parenthood treating you and the missus accustomed to no sleep yet? Uh, she's, realistically, we haven't had a lot of drama with her. so That's a win. She seems to cry a lot when the podcast's on. Uh, Whenever I'm around, she seems to cry. Well, yeah. I, I know what a bad baby's like. I've seen it. First hand um, through a couple of friends that babies just scream nonstop. Um, she's not screaming. She's had three bad nights. She's six weeks old today, so she's had three bad nights in six weeks. Two of the first two weeks she spent in hospital anyway, but that's that's an average of one bad night a week or a little bit more than. So I will not complain. Uh, we're getting less sleep, no doubt. Um, spending more time running around and shitty nappies, and but you don't complain about that. You knew that was part of the deal. So yeah, it's going well. Wife's going good. So. All is happy. Yep. James Ellis, considering the drastic change in the way Seattle applied this season compared to last with a similar squad, what influence does an assistant have on the head coach or is Madge just stubborn? Or do some head coaches rely on or work better than others with assistants? Ah, uh, no doubt. Some utilize them, some don't. There's no doubt that Seabold's utilized his assistants. He's openly said that he's been very close in contact with both and getting them involved and giving them responsibilities and yeah, because you need to to maximise your own time and you can't do it all on your own and he kind of said he learnt that himself when he was at Melbourne with South, under Maguire, etc. all these kind of bits and pieces but literally the only real roster change here was the fact he swapped out Cook for Farrah which Maguire had the choice last year and we called for it to Cook to play and he didn't really do it and the other one was they got Dan Gagai in but realistically, yeah, he's just loosened up things in attack yeah. Less uh, structure Revitalised, the benefit he had is he saw the pre- he was in the inner sanctum the year before a lot of coaches come in and think they know what happened the year before. He know he knew exactly what he needed to fix. That's of a huge benefit as a coach. JDHD, one of the Dragons fans that usually blows up, says, where the hell did that come from and can they do it again without Widop? I don't think they can do it again. I, think, I just think the quality of the opposition is going to be much better. Yeah, you're up against a completely different and no side. Widop. Uh, very experienced, big forward pack. They'll be steathing after the last week. I think Adam Reynolds got cleared today. It was just... Bit of a sore shoulder, so he'll get needled up and play. Crichton, not too sure, uh, but I'm pretty sure they named an unchanged lineup. So they did. They'll be absolutely seeding, I'm pretty sure. Flat white with one. How should the NRL handle minor injuries during the game? Stoppages kill momentum. Ferguson being sent to the sideline until Roosters got the ball. That was the first time I've seen that rule enforced, and I, I agree. Like the rule. I thought that was you know different. I hadn't seen it happen before, but if it's blood or other bits and pieces, they should have to go in behind or get off the field. What happened to the blood bin? Why do we stop for people to get wrapped up or take? Yeah, I've got no idea. Get off the field and get somebody else on. I thought that's what the blood bin was there for. Or if you're in the attacking team and you've got a bloke, we shouldn't be stopping for you. <laughs> no, agree. Or defense. Get him behind the line, get out of the way, or go to the blood bin. Simple. Run off the field. Uh, what's he got here? Thoughts of duty of care. This is John Pappas. 
of care owed by the club's respect to tackling technique. In light of Chambers, Mitchell and Napa incidents, what do clubs actually do versus what they should be doing? Is that their job or their responsibility to the players? Well, if you don't think coaches and clubs are trying to teach them correct tackle technique, you're sadly mistaken. Like Everyone gets taught proper tackle technique. Whether the player goes out there and follows like correct technique or sticks to a technique is a different story. And Dylan Napa is not exactly what you What give. are we talking about here? What's, what's this in reference? Saying to? that it's a duty of care of the club in respect Jeez, to like, tackling at, technique. That's a really... Like, so I think that's a really... You can't dangerous place to go. You can't blame the storm for Will Chambers trying to rip nah, someone's head I, off or look, the Dylan Napa for headbutting two people. Their like, duty of care is to educate their players the most safe way to tackle. And they they make a decision when they go out on the field. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, difficult, difficult one. Difficult one. You go down that line, you're going to have players suing players, and it's it's going to be ugly. I I think again, it goes back to our argument that we had before about intent. If someone intends to hurt someone and they cause someone a serious injury. I think throw the book at them. It's as bad, it's as good as assault on the street for me. Um, but for players that accidentally cause severe injury or inadvertently cause devastating injury, I'm not sure you can throw the book at them. Or yeah. it, just for me, it's the blame culture. We've got a blame culture. Mm. Sometimes things just fucking happen. Yeah, and mate. unfortunate things happen. But these um, are full time. We went through that with the Alex McKinnon incident. You know, like the amount of blame and vitriol and emotion that was surrounded in that. You know, and you could you could break that down a hundred times, but that was just a horrendous, horrendous incident. It was, and, and you know, it's not. Gonna, and you look at poor bloody Francis Molo, who um, shoulder charged, tackling. and we, we I haven't seen footage of the tackle. I don't want to see footage of the tackle, but you can't imagine that Francis Molo went in to kill him. No, you know, and the like, club didn't tell him that you're going to shoulder charge someone like in the fight. Yeah, oh, it's it's a tough one. To ask, do, tough the, do the clubs one. have a duty of care, like? And this is the thing where they're full-time you know, rugby league players, they get can't educated. have it both ways when we say that we, you know, the game's going soft and we're taking out the punching, we're taking out the shoulder charge, and we're taking. The reason why they're doing it is to minimise this. And look, I for me, I think we've gone too far to minimising injury and to soften the game. I think I think the NRL should be the NRL. It should be elite. We shouldn't be changing our game based totally on what we want mothers and young children to see. I think there still should be some elements of our game that um, are traditional. Uh, and look, I, I, but, you know, we've also got to make sure that we understand that with more strength and conditioning, more sports science, the more uh, efficient the body gets and the more powerful our athletes are, the more chance there are of severe injury. Plain and simple, coming back to is there a duty of care on the club? Well, the players, when it goes out in the field at the end of the day, they're taught how to tackle mm. and given correct technique and they're full-time footballers. No it's, one... a, it's a much deeper conversation to have. You can't just say duty of care. Well, who's, duty, who's got the duty of care? The player. Who, the yeah, player. But who, who, who then prescribes what is a legal tackle and what is legal coaching. Because every every like, club, not every club would be teaching their players to tackle exactly the same. No, but no one's teaching Dylan Arpa to run out with helicopter arms and charge with him with his face. But that doesn't matter what style of tackle you're trying to execute. You could just get it wrong. What I'm getting at is to even kind of imply like the clubs to be responsible. Like is they're teaching their players the correct technique and the way to tackle and to control and do everything. They're not yeah, teaching what, them. What I'm saying is that not everyone's teaching the same tackle technique. No, but so that argument is flawed straight away. These so. incidents though, you can't point the finger at clubs for this. Yeah, well, unless you're going to unless you're going to come out with a stock standard uh, this is the only way that you can tackle. Yeah, but like it's saying like is it responsibility of the players or the club? The club is doing their job. They go through what they want them to do. They're not definitely not teaching Dylan Napa to throw helicopter arms and leave with his face and take his eyes off the target. They all generally like there's a basically no, it's, it's a very much broader question. 
for me. But yeah, duty of care. Of course, everyone's got a duty of care. Yeah. Luke Clone, in your opinion, which rep half had the worst game on the weekend and why? Was it Johnson, Moylan, or Milford? Well, Milford. Milford had a Barry Crocker, but zero, his forward pack got absolutely destroyed. I think Johnson had more of a chance to make some sort of impact. I thought Moylan was okay. He wasn't great. He didn't impact the game. Defensively, he got caught and out I, a few I don't times, think he's but... going to this weekend either. It's, it's, you're relying on that big forward pack and Holmes. Yeah, exactly. And he's got more responsibility on that left-hand side, but yeah, probably Milford. The straighter he plays, the more he runs, and the shorter he passes, the better he is, Matt Moylan. Running should be his first priority at yeah. all times. Joel Banks... Are the Panthers doing anything different now that Hook is gone? And also, who would you rather run it at? Straight, Talos or SBW? How about neither? Yeah. If I was going to pick one, if you had to, maybe Talos, but he'd probably rip my face off. Sonny Bill probably hit me with a cleaning shot. No, neither of them. Uh, has much changed from the Panthers. Well, it looks like attitudes kind of changed. But then again, you heard that there was a bit of a divide in that decision. So... Realistically, I think the biggest thing is that they've just obviously come together as a group and decided that they want to have a red-hot crack because it didn't look like they wanted to a few what weeks What was the prior. difference in the penalty count that they gave away against Melbourne and gave away on the weekend? Oh, it was astronomical. And their errors. discipline and errors are the two things that are, fi- yeah. that are the indicator of whether they're going to win or lose. They haven't changed anything in no. attack. They haven't changed anything defensively. It's attitude, it's intent, and it's discipline. And That's I think Serato's tried to. He'd be mad to try and tear out a structure and implement a whole new one within a space of a month. Nothing much has changed, just attitude as far as I'm concerned. And that late tips into all those things, your defensive effort, your errors, etc. penalty count. Daniel Fred says, how huge is the week off? Well, like we said before, nine times out of ten, the winner generally comes from one of those teams that gets through to the prelim final and gets a walk through to the I grand final. I think whatever your percentage was to win the competition or to make the grand final, it obviously doubles. It, it doubles in the fact that well, you don't have to play this week. You're no chance of being eliminated this week. You're into the final four, so you're automatically a 25% chance of, of winning it. It goes up because you've got home field, yeah. you've got the rest. They're first and second from the ladder anyway, so they're a massive, massive, it's a huge advantage. Well, again, just Particularly at, for Melbourne with the injuries. Just looking on the perspective of, yeah, they're going to get back. Will Chambers to suspension, Nelson Asafa Solomona, and they had four or five guys that were playing busted who would now be fresh as a daisy and 1-17 to next week as compared to potentially this weekend. Say the Sharks win. They lost Wade Graham last week. If someone gets injured this week or a few guys are carrying niggles, they're going down to Melbourne with uh, you know not as good a preparation and not as healthy a squad. On the back of three tough games. Sure. Or on the flip side, if somehow Dragons come through this and they're still missing a couple of players, they're going to play the Roosters. Even if Latrell Mitchell's missing, that's still a heck of a side. And a gun forward pack, well-rested, video prepared and just sitting there waiting to play. Yeah, There's more pressure on those prelim teams in that game though, I think, with that week off and more expectation. But at the same time, if your opponent comes in after two wars, uh, you're sitting in the best situation possible to make the grand final. There's no doubt about it. Rhino says, did you watch the women's games? The NRL got it spot on with four teams. I think the quality was top shelf. Broncos, New Zealand on finals day. I can't wait. Uh, We did get to watch both games on the weekend. I thought the Roosters-Warriors one was okay, but it was a bit of a wet track there. So there was a few errors and the Roosters, they were the much type side. Uh, They came up with some Pretty poor play, but there were some really good individual efforts. In particular, Isabel Kelly. Thought she had a really, really good game. And that Warriors side, man, they did some good dirty work early on. But the Brisbane Dragons one, starting off with the two tries that they scored, thought that was going to be a cracker in a very close game. But Brisbane just dominated them after that. Julia Robinson, which had that head clash with Jess Surges and laid her out. That was huge. Uh, the fullback, Baker, she absolutely tore him to bits. And I'll tell you what, Brittany Braley, I've seen a couple of games now. She is switched on, that hooker. 
She's like the female Cameron Smith. The mm. rat manipulation, the way she plays the game. Brigginshaw, good footballer. Federica, that back row. Hancock, the front row. Uh, but they completely dominated him. But in particular, out of all the women's players I've seen, Sam Bremner has impressed me in the games that I've watched on the weekend. Didn't have as much impact. But Brittany Braley, big fan. Really big fan. Yeah. You know the all their names. Night. I don't know any names. Um, I watched a little bit, little bits and pieces of it and enjoyed it. Oh, the more footy, the better for me. Uh, what do we got here? No, nothing to do at all, says, do you think it has been underestimated how much Broncos miss Justin Hodges? There hasn't been a Broncos since his, with his presence and aura since. Do they need to find a similar player to help with big occasions? Well, I don't really think Justin Hodges is the difference between the result yesterday or in previous seasons, to be honest. If you want to talk about a yardage player, I don't think they've had a someone who's done as much dirty work out of dummy half. They've got Corey Oates now. He's pretty handy at set starts and yardage carries, but... I definitely wouldn't go as far to draw a long bow to Justin Hodges being the reason or being a player with that much aura. I think if you want to go back to a player with aura or a presence that's underestimated is Darren Lockyer. Mm. If you want to talk about someone who had a massive effect on that team. Yeah, of course. Not Justin Hodges, but so he, he was a heck of a player. But yeah, You need to be developing in the modern game now. And, going he, and purchasing the next one. Justin Hodges as a center in the modern game doesn't have anywhere near as much of an impact as, yeah, not to that extent. James Hughes, any chance Widdock could have been subbed at the 50th minute for man? The Dragons were up by 24 points at that stage. Well, Yeah, interesting. It's all good in reflection, I guess, but when you look at it from that perspective, James, when you're in a finals game and you're just trying to make sure things close out and if he passed all his fitness tests and all his bits and pieces, I'm sure they wouldn't have wanted to you know, change what they were doing. So it's always good in hindsight and it sucks for them now because they potentially could have had him this week, but... Still don't think he was 100%. And as soon as he landed awkwardly on it, you know, who's to say it wouldn't happen again this week coming? But, um, yeah, obviously it hurts massively mm. coming to this game. Ben Skipop says, does Cousin Gary think the Knights have had a decent year? That's all that really matters. <laughs> I haven't heard from Cousin Gary for a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Might have to touch base with him. I'd say he'd be happy. They didn't get the spoon. Yeah, and to be honest, like we said before, Ponga and Pierce don't miss extended periods of time you'd have to think they would have been very, very close to sneaking into that bottom end yeah. of the eight. So, Cousin, Cousin Gary, Gary. He might move down to Newcastle, the way things are smoking up there. Who knows? Haven't heard from him a while. Cousin Gary, give us a shout out if you still listen to the show. Out, I think he gave, out after, gave up after the first couple of years when things went a bit pear-shaped. What went pear-shaped? With his team not playing that well. Oh, yeah, That's all I'm not. getting at the rebuild. I think he might have shut down. Yeah, maybe. Matt Greeno, should NRL teams just have all their Mad Monday celebrations at a nude beach? Just saying. No. Nah, Mad Monday could be done a lot better. But we've, Keep your dick in your pants if you're in public. Pretty straightforward. Chris Cohen again says, Bulldogs Mad Monday players naked in view of the general public. Explosive details of Tigers players caught up in a drug scandal. Two headlines last week that were either overblown or virtually had no merit to them. Why are the media constantly trying to bring the game down? Because people listen to it, click on it, or they look, digest it. Look, look what happened last week with the dog situation. People absolutely... Fed off it. There was a feeding frenzy, piranha style that Jordan and the blood and, and dragged out for over a week. So that's why they give these stories. It's a revolving argument that none of it I agree with. And the dragons, like the, the justification for the journos is, well, you read it, and you know we, this is how we make our money. And the players sort of go, well, we should be able to do whatever we want. It's our day off. We've earned it. Well, I just for both of them, I sort of just go. I stick back to what I said. Really. Don't like what the media did, but from the player's point of view, it was dumb uh, to leave your private area. Both as soon as dumb. the police and we're dumb for we're dumb for uh, clicking on it. Yeah, but people are also dumb for saying that they should be able to do whatever they want. You're not. You're yeah, still I, I members of society, and the police laid charges. I think we've all got to take some responsibility for the way that things currently lie, and 
in our game. The venue the got fined and people got charged. So when cops get involved, right, the, it's... The, the understated one is how much like the venue's in the shit. Yeah. They got like six notices. So that's what I mean. For pe- people that are saying it was not a big thing, you're a dickhead as well. Mm. Like on that side, but the way it was blown up was fed by everybody reacting the way they did. It didn't yeah. need that much of a reaction. So, but I could go to that same pub tonight, get up on a chair and do a windmill with my old fella and no one's going to care but and that that's but that's a dumb argument in itself because I'm not paid $300,000 a year so still you do it in the wrong place and someone puts a phone call and the cops yeah I, I wouldn't do that anyway like I, you sort of you'd like to think that you get to a certain age where you know right and wrong regardless of how many schooners you've had yeah so I say they got naked don't worry about well, yeah. indecent exposure in public is stupid six month imprisonment if you get the full offence like generally that you'd get bail or whatever else but it's chargeable offence yeah. so yeah no more talk about Mad Monday Daniel Bennett, international, oh, what's that? Intentional penalty, sorry. Inside 20 has got me blowing up every game. Send them to the bin. I'm all for getting rid of the nitpicking penalties, but come on, no different from a professional foul. Also, Khalil Mack trade to the Bears and his monster effort against the Packers, wow. It didn't result in a win for the for the Bears, but... I'll tell you what, I think they might regret all the extras they gave away to get Mitch Trubisky because he doesn't look too crash hot. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, for me, I sort of... There's got to be a bigger sample size to know who won that trade, but oh, I get that. I think Oakland will be pretty happy with. I think the fact that they've got what now three first round picks next year. Well, so. it's what you do with the picks in the end, isn't it? Of course, Khalil Mack almost single handedly won the game for the Bears, who mm. pretty much stammered on their own side of things. Yeah, he's Mitch. he's going to be he's going to be a nice player once they build a side around him, and they, you know, if Trubisky can develop into what they think he's going to. Yeah, an intentional penalties inside of twenty. It's got everyone. We agree, I but. At the same time, you just got to be quicker. I think you just got to be quicker to get onto it. Like one warning, here's your warning. Next time, yeah. done. See you later. They let it go for too long. That's the biggest issue. Terry Spear, which of the six teams left would you put a line through after the weekend? Dragons. Sharks without Graham? Question mark. Or, no. Dragons. Dragons with their health concerns. I think the, the, put a line through when you say we're saying that they can't win the. They comp. can't win the comp. Yeah, I, I think Dragons and Penrith. Huge effort to put a line through both of them. Huge effort by the Dragons, but if DeBellin's playing busted again, Widops out, etc. Like it was already a huge ask. I think this weekend's a stretch too far given what they gave last week. Yeah, I, I think. The two teams that won eliminations, it's just proven that bottom four teams don't win it. Yeah. James Dutton saying Luke Lewis still killing at 35 made me think of the O'Furry grand final and the other, Luke Rooney. Looked him up, same age, both of them, pretty different career, ended a while ago. Shows what a rugby tro- union in France, I think. I don't know what he's doing anymore. Shows what a Trojan Lewis has been. What's his secret? Top pod, thanks very much. Well, hard work, determination. Positions. He's evolved with the game as he got physically bigger and he slowed down during his career, added more strings to his bow. He went from the wing to the center to the back row. He spent some time at seven when Matty Elliott was there and they managed to finish top four and now he's turned into a world-class back row. And the big thing that gives you the tick of approval to show the work he's put in to add to his game, the skill set, the toughness and all the work off the field, not to mention just all the stuff and you see of him in the community and everywhere else makes him seem like a champion bloke is... He was a rep player as an outside back and a rep player as a forward, then turned into one of the most valuable bench utilities for Australia and New South Wales. Yeah. So he's t- he, he's the ultimate footballer. And at every stage of his career with changes in the game or changes physically, age and ability-wise, he's moulded to that. That's why he survived so long. Yeah. Um, you can't give him any more credit than that. He's outstanding. Jay Smith says, hashtag game companion, killing it, loving the companions. Thanks, mate. Good stuff. We like doing them as well. Yeah, well, we got the opportunity and we're going to watch a game. Why not? We go on Friday night this week. Saturday night. Uh, I'm on baby duty. Saturday I got an night. engagement Saturday night, so yeah. Well, Saturday night's out for me. Friday, I have to wait and see what happens at work, but I'll let you know. Right, there you go. Ibs. Friday, if if there's going to be one, it will be Friday. Yeah, it Ibs. will definitely not be Saturday. Yeah, 
Ibs Malas, is there far too much controversy in the media? We had one of the best weekends on the field, but media couldn't wait to look at the controversies, e.g. the Andrew G scenario. Oh, yeah, yeah with him in the conversation. Who cares? Like, I understand what they're going on about, and Ben Eichen brought it up, like, you know, considering what happened there and people are talking about, you know, he walked away and he didn't help the investigation, et cetera, et cetera. Like, if you want to talk about it, do it internally at the NRL. I don't care. I want to watch football. I don't want to talk about Andrew G. I don't care about Andrew G. If they find something internally and they want to talk about it after the season, that's the time to do it. Don't distract from the finals. That's probably, you know, my big gripe there. Paul K, England, says, why do Brisbane have to explain who is in their coach's box? Who is he? What he has done? And do you know the grand final information uh, for entertainment yet? Well, we do know who the grand final is now. It's uh, Gang of Youths. Aussie band. I yeah. like Gang of Youth. They're all right, yeah. I'm a fan. I don't know if the songs in particular will pick up the crowd like Macklemore did last year or if as many people are going to know them. They've got a couple of crackers, but it's it's a bit more heartfelt music, a bit thought out. I don't know if it's one for 80,000 people, but uh, for me personally, I, I enjoy Gang of Youth. So. I, I can't remember the last time I really disliked the music on Grand Final. Well, I haven't really I paid the attention. Last have sort of got it right. Last year was one of the first years I actually Loved went, it last went year. out and watched it though. Macklemore's yeah. great. Yeah. So we actually went out. Most of the time, man, you're at Everyone's the tab. Like, who's, who's Macklemore? Nah. Our old man said he didn't like Macklemore. Then the song came on, he kind of was like bopping along. It. And I was he like, you it. prick. You yeah. saying you don't like it. Because yeah, he fucking turned. You know what? Turn off Nova or whatever bullshit you play at work where they play his song eight times a day. Maybe you wouldn't mind his music instead of hearing the same song five times a day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. He loved it. The old man loves Macklemore. Again, all the stuff in the box and explaining, et cetera, and all that. Like, considering what we just brought up before, he was part of the board before. They talk about funneling money for the club to potentially pay players or salary cap cheating. He resigned and walked away and didn't give information. So they're angry that he didn't cooperate with the NRL then and he's been out of the loop and now suddenly he's back in an NRL box for a finals game. But I really don't care, to be honest, what Brisbane do. That's, that's up to them, the NRL, to sort out. Josh Davies said, Warriors have only announced one signing for next year. Leeson Armel, what position should they be looking to recruit in 2019? Well, coming into the season, my big question mark was over that young forward pack. The spine was there. I thought Bunty Afoa had a pretty decent year, Papali at times. So those guys have just got to mature. Sam Lasone was there early in the year, fell out of favour. They're the kind of guys that need to mature. James Garvey, Adam Blair, Tahu Harris. It's a good enough forward pack. depth. But... Yeah, other than that, Armour comes over. He'll help out with a bit of a bench impact. But I just think those younger guys need to get better. They need another preseason. Bunty Fowler was 21 years old. Mm. Sam Lasano has only played two seasons. Well, oh, I'll tell you what, defensively, maybe. Solomon Carter, he had an absolute Barry Crocker on the mm. weekend. The incorrect play of the ball, defensive reads. He's hurlish for me. He like, is. Hurl, I just watching at home. I don't think as bad week to week, but... He's not. When he's, he's just what, got that yeah, snap in him. He just has a moment where he just brain fades badly, doesn't mm. he? Um, Concentration and intelligence, two things that are underrated in rugby league players. And I tell you what, go back and watch a lot of the tries this year. They came down their left hand defence, right side attacks for teams going at Qatar and his edge. Mm. That is a spot. jumps in a lot, holds out a lot, misses yeah. a lot of tackles. So, yeah, yeah, I think probably centre is a position that could be addressed. But other than that, but a lot of sides would say that it's it's not a centre heavy market at the moment. No, there's not many good young centres. I think for them, the big thing is, and I. Don't quite know how they went in the 20 setup this year or what happened there. A couple of years ago, they were pumping players out when Ivan Cleary and John Acklin were there running that junior setup. The last few years have been terrible yeah. in the under 20. So it's more the pipeline. What's coming through the pipeline? That's my big question. Uh, Jordan Palmer said thoughts on the women's games. We already had a chat about that, but we enjoyed them. Well, back to the Warriors point, 
the fact of the matter is is that the TV deal and the, the exposure that they got through Holden Cup was a big reason why a lot of those guys were playing yeah, well, league instead of union. Now that's fucking gone. That so got them Sheck, it got them Hurl. That was a really smart move, NRL. Yeah, or at least give it some exposure. That's Or one game a week, do something. Uh, what do we got here? John Palmer with the women's one we spoke about. Sav Coat, Wayne Bennett, Andrew D spoke about it. Not interested. Uh, Andrew Wales still think the Sharks are a good shot. Just got to work harder and finish a bit better. Well, yeah, but definitely need to finish a bit better. You can't leave three or four tries in the banks. And he's bringing up without Graham. Both of them and South need to improve discipline and concentration to have a chance to get through. Well, South was errors and discipline. Sharks didn't really have too much to do with the discipline side of things, I don't think. It was just simply finishing off opportunities inside 20, and they bombed them. And they'll have a chance this weekend against the Panthers. Yeah. Dominic Coogan, you boys getting to any of the finals games should be a good atmosphere at the South Dragons game. Grand final will be there. Um, yeah. And if it's South Roosters next week, yeah, uh, depending on what day it is, it won't be it'll be Allianz. That's another one I look at and I go, I know they get the home game, don't they, for week three? I should like tell I'm, I'm at a wedding the week after on the Gold Coast, so I'm no hope. I might even, if that game's on a Friday night, I'm actually going to miss that game. I think yeah. I've got something on every weekend leading in by the grand final. Mm. So, I don't know. I've got a wedding the day before the grand final. Two so. of my mates messaged me today that are mad <laughs> Panthers fans. They want to go on Friday after work. But, again, I don't know what time yeah, finishing. Fun. Fun so, I don't think I'll be able to get there. But uh, I really hope there's a big crowd for South Dragons. To there should be. There should be 60,000 there. Well, that's bloody And the week after, if it's South Roosters, they should oh, pack the joint out. That should be huge. 50,000 at um, Allianz. Drew Bagatella says, were the Chooks the better side on Sat night? Triple M seemed to think they weren't. Well, I think... From the oh, they were. They won. They were. <laughs> they won, yes. But as far as who had the better of the game and, you know... Who it was we, fairly even. The who, Roosters just took their chances. Yeah, they did take their chances. And the Sharks could have been a bit more clinical and they would have won that game, but they didn't. Norbert says, I'm a South Aussie who moved to New South Wales. I can hardly watch an AFL game nowadays Into totally into the league. What do you blokes think of contemporary AFL? Don't watch it. I don't watch AFL. I, I tried to watch Richmond and who'd they play? Hawthorne on Thursday night. Bit, no? And I watched, uh, I think, seven minutes of it and fucking turned it off. It was terrible. I've got to say, my big thing, and again, people say the NRL is not even. I think there's more chance of an upset or a close game every week in the NRL. A week to week for me in the AFL, there's too many bloodbaths. Teams just get I pumped. I don't watch it. So that's probably I'll watch the thing. grand final, have a couple of beers. Yeah, well, grand final. We, well, actually, I probably won't because I'm at a wedding. So, bad luck. There you go. Cool. Yeah. But most, oh. years, most years we do. We watch the AFL grand final, have a couple of schooners and a barbie, and then we go to GF the next day. Yep. Chris Amato, last year, North Queensland, lose five of their last six regular season games and limp their way to the GF. No thirst. And St. George have a similar opportunity facing this year. Can they make it past South and the Roosters to win. I think win. it's much, diff- much more difficult opposition. Well, realistically, we're talking, like you said, South this week, Roosters next week, and then potentially Melbourne or the Sharks or the Panthers. So like. they had they had Parramatta last year, the Cowboys, yeah. in this game. And then they got the Roosters to self-capitulate in a game that I couldn't believe. <laughs> yeah. like that was, And then they got murdered. And then Melbourne, Melbourne just absolutely murked them. So yeah. if the Dragons were to somehow pull a miracle... I just think this, this weekend's game, Parramatta are just choked. Uh, Parramatta were great first week last year against Melbourne and then just shat the bed against yeah. the Cowboys. I think you're going to get that from South this week. Yeah, I don't think it's the same. And yeah, dare to dream. I'm sorry, mate. I, I, I wouldn't be. Oh, if much. it happened, it happened. Like, we didn't expect it to happen last year, but yeah. on exposure. No. Greg Bale, Panthers a chance yet. Haha, ha. they've been copping a hammering lately. Well, rightfully so, considering the shit that's been going on at the club. But yeah. we said it, tough win last week. They dug in together. And on the weekend, they were outstanding for 60 minutes. And are they a chance? 100%. They're through to week two. They've had a couple of wins, but they're playing a tough shark side. And if they 
kept the error rate down to what it was, which was four errors and kick well and complete and get into the dogfight with the Sharks. In all honesty, they've probably got more attacking strike across the field. It's it just seems whether... a real happy and stable place at the moment, Greg. Yeah, well, let's see what happens. So, <laughs> Hello. Yeah, definitely. As much the, player, to... like, the player's just got to play. Simple. Brett Sims, what rule changes would you make for 2019 and which team do you think will improve and which teams do you think are becoming more successful because they don't play what's in front of them and just become cookie-cutter teams? Thanks for the year, boys. Well, we've said this a million times. We've got seven, the seven tackle, tackle set, set gone Fuck it all. and less interchanges. We've had that one a few times. Yeah. Um, as far as teams improving and becoming more successful next year because they don't play a cookie-cutter style. I think style. the Tigers will be more successful next year. With another off-season with them buying those blokes, you'd expect them to be better. Yeah. I think the Raiders with Hodgson will be better because yeah. I have them for a full season, but then you've got questions over the forwards that are if left. The, and... If the game goes to 70-minute games, they'd be top two. Yeah, 100%. They threw away a lot of games late, so yeah. Question is over their middles next year, though. They lost a lot of forwards, yeah. Don't know Ryan Sutton, John Bateman's an edge or a centre, so they're going to have to make some readjustments there in the forward pack, but probably the Tigers, and I think Newcastle, depending on that spine pans yeah. out, if Ponga moves up, uh, moves up uh, ends up moving to six and mm. Watson goes to fullback. I thought Watson played a couple of really good games at fullback while he was at the Roosters. So yeah. who knows? I think the big thing for them is who's their nine going to be and can they get an extra middle forward? And um, Yeah, there you go. Ben Nobes, off topic, but how's the baby girl? Well, you, you got over that one earlier. And the adventure of fatherhood. You're having a good time, mate, surely. Yeah, it's good. He's loving it. She's, uh, she, well, she's six weeks today, so tomorrow we've got the big day. Needles and paediatrician and obstetrician and GP and ultrasound and the whole lot. So it's go. going to be fun tomorrow. The last one we got here, Johnny Ashko. Not a question, more of a statement. I'm sick of Lewis winning all the time. It used to be funny. Now it's just annoying. It's fucking annoying, 100% it It's is. annoying. Ooh. And just, more things change, the more they say that stay the same. The NFL kicked off on the weekend. My team fucking lost. Lewis's team won. So <laughs> that's what happens. I'm uh... screaming at the TV. I smashed a remote. Um, on Friday afternoon. And we had a bunch of nobodies playing for us in the receiving court too. And we lost another running back with an ACL. Just, yeah. And our two first round draft picks are injured at the moment. Tom Brady, he's a gun. Wow. Adam Thomas, sorry, last one here. So how do we all go on the NFL draft and who has a strong team? Well, I'll tell you what, I was happy with my first pick and then I was at work. So it auto-picked and my bench is shit. And i tell you what, with a 20-team league, Brock, that's interesting. There is no one on the waiver wire. Oh, I love it. I've got like eight receivers that I didn't want and I'm in big trouble. Well, that. everyone's going to be in the same boat. I get it, but if I was actually I looking at it, it would have been a bit better, but I'm not feeling too good. Yeah. Not feeling too good. I love it. I reckon it's going to be tops. Oh, NFL full stop is a great time. But that moves us on from all the fan questions. Thanks to everybody out there. Now we have Mr. Gossip, mate. Thanks to the Pro Sports to get our gossip. And our tips uh, and the Pro Sports Syndicate, the best bet last week, it unfortunately was not a winner. It was the Sharkies with a four and a half start. They didn't cover that side of things, but their best bets are still 10 from 14. So pretty consistent there. Good numbers yeah. from the boys. And we said it before about their line bets. Their line bets in particular are uh, working on hopefully getting a smaller version of the betting package, a more affordable one next year, in particular with line bets and less props and hopefully a few guys out there. So people are interested in that. Their lines return 20% profit this year so if you would have bet a thousand dollars you would have won back an extra 200 on top of your thousand investment yeah um but yeah them in the charity account massive for them coming on board we really appreciate it charity bet went down we had a crack at brisbane with a trial win and obviously brisbane got dusted so didn't see that one coming but we also missed the first few games because just kind of a busy weekend wasn't it so yeah um i wouldn't have minded having either the roosters or south one to 12 south obviously would have lost but the roosters would have had a win so you know you win some you lose some 
Correct. But we'll have another crack this weekend. Keep your eyes out also. The boys have offering some specials for the NFL. So for blokes out there that enjoy the NFL like us, they've got another betting package for that. And they'll be giving out best bets and affiliate links on the NFL. So there'll still be plenty of money offers there for you to open accounts and get bonus deposits and bets on the NFL if you like watching that as much as we do. Mm, so love that good shit. time. But Mr. Gossip, what he's got for us this week, Riley Jacks is apparently heading to the Gold Coast Titans. I would rather see us keep LG. So, there you go. What do you got? Tyron Roberts coming back. Kane LG. AJ Brimson will be moving back to fullback because I'm pretty sure Michael Gordon's confirmed he's going to go I don't play. mind Jax, but... He's steady, but again, um, yeah, I think Melbourne will be keeping drink water by the sounds of it then over him and mm-hmm. Jerome Hughes and a couple other guys they've got there. Isaac Luke will be meeting with Nathan Brown next week. So, Newcastle, when I just mentioned before who their hook is going to be. That could potentially be a handy buy for them for the right price, obviously. Mm. And obviously not too long. I'd be going year to year with Isaac Luke at this point in time, to be honest. Yeah, two-year deal at most. Likes it or not. CSC Avave also in talks with Newcastle. So again, just some very basic depth there. Yeah. And a couple of rivals He's have dropped out of the race to sign Corey Oates. He will likely stay at Brisbane. And when we talk about the massive money he was after, considering they're holding off to eventually sign Pangai Jr. sign up every one of these kids, you've got to wonder again, where all this money comes from, but that's a story we've gone over a million times, haven't we? Correct. And how they get to keep everybody mm. at certain clubs, but yeah, what do you do? But the tipping comp, we move on to now. Thanks for the gossip there. Thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. Last week, gossip. This is Melbourne Cup lock. He sat there all year. He got six behind at one point, and it just seemed like he was just tipping random ones for the sake of it, but the back end of the year, he's pulled the whip out. Yep. He got three from four last week. I only got one. You got two. He's taken the lead. And I... If I tipped everyone that I wanted to tip, I would have only got one. There you go. I just tipped against. You You just tipped against. So he's pulled himself in front. And in our confidence pool, I changed. I got off the Roosters and got on the Sharks late, and I got none from four in our confidence pool. I got one. I got the Roosters. That's it. Well, there you go. Mr. Gossip, that's a Herculean effort. And the well, first... if he hasn't tipped Parramatta for six or seven weeks, he'd be flogging no, us. He'd be flogging everyone. But he's ahead now, 110. I'm on 109. You're on 107. As we move into these games, and the first game we've got here, obviously the Sharks, the Panthers, Friday night, Allianz Stadium. On the Sharks side of things, as far as changes, they've got Sorensen coming in to replace Wade Graham. Kurt Capewell is back from injury on the bench. And in the extended squad again, Jesse Ramian. Uh, that's a question I'd have for you. Would you put him back in if he does pass the test this week? And how would you reshuffle it? Like Edric Lee, to me, I've got to give him a wrap. I didn't think he was strong in yardage. I thought he was a bit soft. This year, I think he's been outstanding. I think he's been really good. I'd put him, I'd put Ramian back in. But then you've got Josh Dugan in the centres who they paid a stack of money who I don't think's been that good when he's been on the field anyway. You've got the telly who was... You've got to put... Whoever you think your best 17 is, you've got to put him out there now. Well, I think, footy. I think Fecky proved a point last week that he needs to be in because of his yardage work. Um, so I don't know whether you put Ramian on a wing or a centre. but the telly. You get rid of the telly? Well, he's or going to Toronto next year. There you go. See, but mind know. you, you're losing Ramian next year too, so... Yeah, but Ramian's a lot better player than Ricky Latelli. Yeah, well... He's playing on the, is he playing on the opposite side of the field, though? Or is that the side he was playing on? I don't give a shit. Latelli was playing on the left. I think Romain's been playing right side. So, yeah. yeah. No changes other than that. Um, I would have started Catewell, like I said, over Sorensen. But I think Catewell offers a bit more versatility off the bench. So, they've gone that way. The Panthers side of thing, no surprise. They're unchanged from last weekend. So, Boxhead, who do you like in this one? Sharks. You think the Sharks will grind them out? Yeah. Gossip's gone Panthers, so we go Sharks. Yep, well, I've gone the Sharks as well. I think uh, regardless of Wade Graham, they'll make it dirty. They'll drag him into a dogfight. And I guess given a bit of a preview of this game, I think the big factor is quite obvious. It's the middle. I think they're able 
to frustrate Penrith and control them and not let second phase go, that those young Panthers forwards and a couple of these guys might bite in a little bit, as we've seen in the past. And I think uh, if Kikau and a couple of these guys get a bit loose, Cronulla will just put the strangle on. And there's a lot of pressure on Cronulla on the flip side of that, though. As they've shown in the past, they can have a Barry Crocker of a game where they have off-camber errors and penalties and they just lose the plot. But if a feeder, Gallon, Lewis, etc., all these guys can dig in, play that ugly dogfight game, I think it's a big question onto the young Panthers forwards and whether they can get there and control with them. So, yeah. uh, Mr. Gossett, Panthers, we're both on the Sharkies and the odds in this one with the Pro Sports Syndicate. $1.67 for the Sharks, two twenty-five for the Panthers. The line is minus three and a half. And the second game, it is... Obviously, the South Sydney Rabbitohs up against the Dragons ANZ Stadium on Saturday. For South side of things, they retain the same lineup after last week's loss. And for the Dragons, Kurt Mann moves in to 5'8". Harme Saleh moves on to the bench now. And Ewan Aitken is apparently a strong chance on the reserves bench to be included. But again, coming into a game like this, I ask you the question, would you drop Zach Lomax after the way he's played and no. considering he's 100% healthy no. No. and risk somebody who's had multiple injuries? Because no. I couldn't. No. I couldn't do it. And even Nightingale, they spoke about, like, if you're injured, I'm not playing you. Like, it's a finals game. You don't change your winning side. Exactly, and that's the other thing. They're all fit. No chance. uh, I unfortunately think that, you know, DeBellin, even if he does play, I don't know if he'll go the distance. The change in the halves puts more pressure on Ben Hunt, and that forward pack has to stand up again, and I don't know if they can get over the top of this South forward pack. So, with that being said... So, didn't name Jyfield at all. Jai Field will be probably in the reserves. He's yeah, in the reserves. See, I'd start him at six. Yeah, I think they'd go after him in particular defensively. I don't care. But, I'm just going to. I, you know. I think St George's best chance in this game is punching South in the mouth in the first 20 minutes and hoping that they wobble. Yeah. Because I think if, if South can settle into their rhythm, get rolling forward, Cook starts to get out, they start to execute their plays, this could be a cricket score. Yeah. Well, I, again, I just think this week. Graham off the concussion, DeBellin playing busted a couple of these. I don't know if they'll be able to put that same effort in and yeah. get over the top of the South middle. Short so. turnaround. South had a longer turnaround. I'll um, stick with South, South purely on the middle. They have less injuries. Yeah, South. Well, we're all on South. Mr. Gossip is also getting on that one as well with the Pro Sports Syndicate. Heavy favourites, $1.26, $4 for the Dragons. So if your fans out there think your team can pull the upset again, go for gold and the line is pretty handy, 12.5 start. So if you think they can at least keep it close, 12.5 starts are pretty healthy points line there. Yeah, I don't like 12.5. Yeah. Um, and I just don't like it because you're saying that they're going to get flogged, but they're going to get beat, but you don't think it's going to be by a lot. Yeah. So. With you there. And just a quick wrap-up of some of the other leagues around there. Queensland Cup, Green Final, Redcliffe. They won through this week. They're the Brisbane Broncos feeder. They finished first during the regular season, so that's appropriate. Uh, on the flip side of that, East Tigers, who are one of Storm's feeders, they scraped into the last spot. They've dusted two teams two weeks in a row to go into the grand final qualifier. And they'll be up against the Burley Bears, who are the Titans feeder, who there finished second. So one and two survived. The team in sixth spot running hot at the right time is the East Tigers. So see who comes out of that to come down. New South Wales Cup on the weekend. Uh, you had the Dragons and the Panthers, who were one and two during the regular season. They had the week off. The Newtown Jets... Dusted Mounties quite convincingly, and the Dogs got some NRL players back, and they won through. So this week, it's Dragons, Dogs, Penrith, Newtown, all the top four sides playing. So the system works, obviously. Some pretty good games there. I think uh, Penrith are a very good chance of winning this competition again. Jersey flag, like we spoke about. Haven't, unfortunately, got to see a whole lot this year, but Newcastle, week one, them and the, uh, I think it was the Sharks were one and two. They got rolled week one by three and four, who have been waiting. So Mounties... And uh, the Panthers, I think, flipped on the opposite side of the draw. So now it's Newcastle Panthers and Mountie Sharks. 
So for anyone out there looking at your, your feeder teams, the Sharkies doing well again in the juniors, as are Penner for Newcastle. He got the Jersey flag player of the year, that young back row I spoke about. So that's pretty good times there. And in the Queensland Cup version of the under-20s, the North Queensland Cowboys, you'd be very happy to know with some of these older boys moving on that your young kids are doing well. Two of your feeder teams are playing for a spot in the grand final this week. With the Blackhawks, the Townsville Blackhawks, they finished minor premiers during the regular season. They are playing against the Northern Pride, their other feeder team, to play North Devils in the grand final, who are the Broncos feeder. So there you go. Just a bit of a wrap-up of the junior grades. Mm. And on grand final day, I'm pretty sure they will play there. So if I had to make a prediction now, I think the Panthers would win the New South Wales Cup. And Redcliffe have been pretty dominant the whole way through, and they'll get a couple of Broncos players back now. I'd be surprised if it's not one versus one in Panthers. Redcliffe. 20s, I haven't seen enough, so it's hard to judge, but uh, that North Broncos side has some pretty good... Sorry, North Devils has got some pretty good Broncos juniors in it. If they won, or the Blackhawks, by the looks of it, the 20s uh, Newcastle team look pretty good, and the Panthers look pretty good as well. So, Who knows, Boxhead, but done for another week. Still nothing on Latrell Mitchell. It's now 8 o'clock, so, or just before 8 o'clock. So they've been, uh, apparently the judiciary's been deliberating for an hour and a half. So. Wow. So they're really... Riving over this one, and like I said, you, sometimes you wouldn't be surprised if it goes the opposite way. I don't know if I agree with it, but you kind of think sometimes they look at it and go, "We don't want to punish somebody." Uh, a finals. Well, game they for that, take but... it. If it was round five, they wouldn't care. No, nah, they would have hammered him already. I reckon they, they would have just thrown it out. Here's your week. See you later. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't have challenged it either. I reckon the Roosters would have just copped it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So. There you go. We're not sure of what's going to happen on that side of things, but otherwise, we've gone through everything. Your fan questions, reviews of the games from the weekend in depth, set of six, bit of a look at some of those lower-grade finals coming up leading into grand final week, and two games this weekend, Brock, we're at the pointy end. Yeah. Things are really slowing down. I always get sad at this time of the year. As much as I love grand final, that's one of my favourite days of the year. I miss finishing work uh, on the Friday and getting to watch footy all weekend. But Yeah. It is what it is. Coming to that back end I of the season. Play all year round. Storm and the Roosters, both awaiting. Will it be the Panthers or the Sharks moving on to play Melbourne in Melbourne for a spot in the grand final? Or will it be Souths and the Dragons moving on to play the Roosters? You've got our thoughts. Let's see what pans out on the weekend. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where you, what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 